Welcome to Be All You Are, a Midlife Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Kena Paranjape, the founder of All You Are, a women's lifestyle brand, an entrepreneur, writer, and mother. This podcast is all about stepping into all you are. It's about reconnecting to your inner voice so you can hear the whispers of your true desires and cultivate the courage to create the life that is meant for you. Your dreams are your soul's voice. They are worth your time and attention. Now head out on that solo walk or settle into a cozy spot with a favorite beverage and join me. I can't wait to meet you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 24 of Be All You Are. I'm so happy you're here. And I'm especially excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Jen Lee Koss, who is many things. She is a Harvard grad, an Oxford grad, an investor, a um, startup founder, a mother of four, a musician, a cellist to be specific. She's so many things. And, but the most important thing to me is that she was my co founder for six years. Um, from the time we founded Bricka in 2012 um, to the time that I left in 2018. And so for six years, she and I worked hand in hand, side by side, what felt like 24-7 through raising money, building a team, going through all the ups and downs of a startup while also navigating so many personal ups and downs in our lives. We call each other work wives, or we used to, but Jen was also really like a sister. You know, we just had this familiarity with each other. We knew each other's quirks. We knew each other's strengths. We knew each other's weaknesses. Um, And although we don't talk nearly as much as we used to, when we do that, sense of familiarity really slips in. And I think you're going to get a little bit of that in this conversation. There are a few times where I asked Jen questions that she's <laughs> a little bit reluctant to answer, but she answers them beautifully, of course. Um, the other thing that you'll hear in this conversation is Jen sharing a little bit about her journey over the last year and some awakenings that she's experienced. And though she doesn't speak directly to it in our conversation, a lot of what she's relating to is a difficult separation that she's been navigating um, from her marriage. And so I wanted to give a little bit of that context so that when you're listening, you have some color around what she's speaking to. This is a very heartfelt conversation. Jen is so inspiring to me and to so many others. And, you know, when I met her, I think she saw so much in me and I saw so much in her. So I think we spent a lot of time learning from each other, right? And learning how we overcame different challenges learning how we thought through different challenges and different situations. And I really can say that I have learned so much from Jen. 
um, and that she still inspires me to this day. And I think that you are going to feel the same. Before we dive into that conversation, I wanted to share with you that the fifth cohort of my group program for women called Be All You Are is beginning again in mid-October. This program is for women who are approaching or in midlife who feel like they have checked a lot of boxes, seen success either in their careers or in their family life, but still feel that something is missing and long to step into all they are. This is a 16-week program that I designed. Almost 50 women have gone through this program. And so I've really had a chance to take a pause, enrich it, expand it, elevate it. And I'm so excited to welcome the next group of women into this amazing journey to becoming, continuing to become, because it never ends, all you are. The way the program works is that we meet once a week on Zoom, and every week we cover a topic. And the topic is meant to empower you, to um, help you tap into your inner voice, into your inner knowing, and to give you the courage and confidence to go forward more boldly towards the life that you really want. And, you know, if you aren't clear on what that is, we work on that too. The other amazing thing about the program is that it is curated. So the women inside the group are truly become a community. And I'm actually working on a membership so that all these women can come together in one place very soon. So that's coming. But if you are interested in learning more about Be All You Are, my 16-week program, um, for women, you can head over to my website, allyouare.ca slash b all u r waitlist. And I will also put that link in the show notes and you can sign up to get all the details and to learn more about when the doors to that program are officially open and you can get all the details so that you can hopefully join us. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, Jen, to the Be All You Are podcast. I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> Dana. <laughs> my dear work wife. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was, uh, as I was like thinking about the questions for this conversation, I was just like, do we need questions? We could just like talk for an hour and it would be like the most fascinating, at least to us. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> oh my God. Um, before we get into, you know, asking questions and hearing more from you, I wanted to talk about something that sort of defined a lot of our relationship and a lot of the way we work together. And that is how we met. So, you know, as I'm like working with women, I talk to them a lot about how doing things from your heart and from your spirit often leads down paths you could have never imagined, right? Like, so for me, that started with a blog that I started when I was working in a corporate job full time and really needed my own creative outlet. And so I started this blog and I would love for you to take over for the story of how we met. 
oh my goodness, is the best meet cute story ever. <laughs> I, I love that you wrote your blog as a creative outlet at your creative at your corporate job because I was reading blogs as a creative outlet in my corporate job. This should be a movie, by the way. Mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> and um, I stumbled across your blog in life and in fashion. And I just loved, I loved your voice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was something that was like, I can tell your personality by the way you wrote. Mm-hmm. And I also loved your curation because I loved all the products. You chose a lot of products, but you chose books. And you wrote a lot about your career in in fashion and about kind of like living your best life. It was very like, I don't know. I just felt some warmth around it. And then I was trying to figure out who you were. And then I read that you lived in Toronto. And I was like, wait, what? She lives in Toronto? <laughs> so I, of course, my MO was to cold email you and say like, hey, I'm Jen. I live in Toronto. I love the blog. I'd love to take you out for a coffee. I want to meet you. And and you're like, yeah, okay, let's do it, which was so cool. And we met, um, what was that little place called up in? Uh, oh, yeah. I can still see it. Like they were French. White. It was a French, it was like Paradiso or something. It was some like adorable French cafe. Yeah. Yes. And we were there and we had like the, the nicest meeting. But it was so weird because I think we both felt this thing like, should we be doing something together? Mm-hmm. And we didn't say it at the yeah. at the met, but when we left, we kind of wrote each other, being like, "Are you thinking what I'm thinking?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were, yeah. And let's keep brainstorming. Yeah. And so we started thinking about ideas of different business ideas and giving each other homework, like, "Well, what else exists out there that's like what we want to do?" And we both felt really passionate about makers about creative people who were either, you know, making, making products, you know, small batch or making it in their homes even. And we wanted to give them light basically yeah. and, and a platform for them to shine. And always, as we always said, be heard through the noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how it all came to be. I know. It's so amazing. Honestly, I remember coming home from our first coffee date and telling my husband, um, I just made a new friend. Like, it just felt like that. Like, not that I just had a coffee date with someone. That wasn't the output. The output was I made a new friend. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, but I think what I love about that story is we only connect the dots in hindsight, right? Like, we can never know what what we put out there, how it will create this waterfall effect. And um, I just think that's such an, a, an amazing example and the journey that we went on from there. And then even like our friendship, how it's continued yeah. and, and evolved. And, you know, we're still here having like a 45 minute conversation before we press record on the podcast, <laughs> eating into our podcast time because we had to talk about things. Um, so anyway, I'm so, I'm so grateful that you reached out to me and that, you know, that I like followed that gut instinct to even start writing again, you know? So I think that's just such a beautiful story and I feel like it's the perfect. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, you taught me so much. You taught me so much about life. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. You have too. I think I think you have um, been inspiring to me in so many ways. Oh my god, gosh, it's mutual. <laughs> Who are listening to this? Be like, okay, guys. <laughs> Okay, this is a love fest. I get it. Okay, we're going to get into this now. I want to start with, um, I want to ask you what you were like as a child. And, you know, what was your personality? What were you naturally drawn to? I want to know more about little Jen. I want to know more about little Jen. (laughs) It's a hard question to answer. It's true though. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is good. This is a good question because I feel like I'm working a lot through this therapy, mm-hmm. and and it, uh, so much of uh, so much of my life now, I think it really is has some reflection on on things about what I did as a kid and how I grew up. Mm-hmm. It does and it doesn't. I'm still trying to figure it out. Let's be clear. But me as a child, I think I was, um, I actually was like hyper confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really like exceptionally optimistic about the world. Like I always felt like the world was my oyster and I could do anything. And um, again, this is like all the things that are my superpowers and my downfall. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I was exceptionally disciplined. Like in many respects, learning like I, I studied hard. I had to work hard. I knew that. Like it was like everything just came so easy to me, and I could just. I, I really like if it was studying for a test or you know whatever. I was like I was exceptionally diligent, like to the nth degree. Where do you prepared. think that came from, Jen? That that um, self discipline. Oh my gosh! I wasn't even like like in the Montessori method. Like, <laughs> what? Where did it come from? Mm. Ooh, I'm not sure where it came from. I think maybe it came a little bit from my parents mm-hmm. and seeing them, um, you know, they were immigrants and they came and they were successful in what they did. And I see, I saw them work really hard. My father was a medical doctor and he was, he had a rhythm to his life and how he went to work and, the nights he was on call and I think I saw that really up close and my mother was a piano. She was a pianist um, and an accomplished one. And I heard her practicing actually a lot in the house until she stopped her sort of professional like performance career and then taught piano to like all the neighborhood kids. And she was a crazy tiger mom. (laughs) Uh, And I think that that, kind of was also reflective of things. And then she became an entrepreneur later in life, like when my sister and I were older. So maybe I saw it with my own eyes. I think that's true. I think I also felt like I had to live up to, it's not nothing around like live up to my parents' expectations, but to some sort of standard that I think that I felt like existed out there. Like I I, I wanted to make sure that I, yeah, like held myself to a certain degree that was serious. Mm-hmm. I also had my sister who was like 13 months older than me and brilliant and all the things. And I think I, I just idolized her, wanted to be anything like her. And I felt like I needed to work 
I really did. Like, it was like things came naturally all the time. Like, I, I felt like I really had to work just, just as hard, if not harder, just to get to a, you know, a way to, that for my sister to see me as, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, competent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I in therapy right now? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, we go deep. We're not we're like not asking kind of forum questions on this podcast. Okay. Um, okay, is there anything else you wanted to share about little Jen? Oh, little Jen. Um I don't know. I not really. I was always an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I always loved meeting people and making new friends and yeah, I was serious, just a constant extrovert. Yeah. Well, it sounds that sounds like like you now, really? No, it's true. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, okay, so we just started our conversation telling the story about how we met and the business that we started. But I wanted to ask you more about um, sort of your entrepreneurial drive because you know mm-hmm. we at the time we were both working in corporate jobs, and yeah. that like us starting that business together kind of kicked things off. But since then, you have realized that the entrepreneurial side of you is very strong. And um, I want to hear more about that. Like where, where does that, you know, where, what, where, what does it, where does that force come from? Oh my gosh. It's so true. It is like a bit of a red thread. Mm -hmm. I think about a lot. Like I've always had big ideas. I've always had big ideas. And I think at the same time, I have always also then been surrounded by people who could execute on those big ideas. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm not that process person, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I think part of it comes maybe from like stems a little bit from when I was younger and thought the world was like my oyster. Mm -hmm. I thought like anything, anything is possible, like legitimately. I'm like that is possible. Like it's possible to get done. It's possible to do. And, and having true conviction around my ideas, you know, like, I don't think I ever in any of the things I started thought like, Oh, it's not a good idea. I don't know. I'd be like, no, this thing, this thing needs to be the next big thing. Jen, I actually think that um, you are very unique in that way that like, not only, like, not only that you see the, that the world is your oyster or, or, you know, not your oyster, but that there's just, yes, that everything is possible. Um, and so there's that, that you see, you imagine that you believe that anything is possible, like truly believe it, but then also that conviction. And I think for so many of us, like for so many women, um, especially those that have maybe followed a more traditional corporate path, it is so hard to shift into that mindset, right? Because you've been walking the same, it's like you're on this treadmill and you're just like on the same treadmill and you can't, it's like hard for you to see past, right? Like see into that field of possibility and, and to like believe that there's something else out there for, for them, right? What would you say to them? Dude, that's painful. I mean, well, let's be clear. There are so many people who have like great ideas and big ideas and say, oh, I want to do this. And I'm really, I want to try. And then, you know, deep down inside, they're never going to do it. You talk about it all day. And then you're just like, okay, but it's like, you're never going to do it. You're never going to leave your job. You're never going to, you know, so there's just like this 
this thing, I think. Um, I think I, I sometimes go a lot back to like understanding your value, knowing that you're a valuable person mm-hmm. and that even if this thing doesn't work out, you will have opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like you're falling back and you're going to be like, I have no one's going to hire me. I'm never going to find a job. Like most people who think about huge ideas and do big things, I've like maybe had already full careers or, or half careers mm-hmm. or have done things, have had like real experiences. So ultimately they have something to fall back on. Yeah. And then whatever that fall back on thing is, you have to really like think to yourself and that thing is valuable. Someone's going to want that in the end. And so your option is either to try and to fail and okay, it's okay to fail mm-hmm. or or to, yeah, or to not try. That's okay too, by the mm-hmm. way. It's okay to like just come up with big ideas and never do anything. That's okay, mm-hmm. honestly. Like that's someone, that's someone's safety net, I think. And that's a real safety net. Like, you know, maybe I think I always functioned on this idea of like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. But see, that's, I think that is the message is that, yes, it's all okay. Right. And, and yeah. I think everyone needs to, um, in the end, really do what feels right for them when it comes to making decisions like this. But I think too many, too many people hold back because they're so fixated on that safety net. Right. And less less focused on the I can figure it out, and and I think that's where we've lost some of our power because we feel like what will I do? And and the answer is I can figure it out. And I think that that is like a very important message. Yeah, exactly. Like having that conviction that like yeah they'll get to the other side. Mm-hmm. We'll make it to the other side. You might not feel like it in the journey, but you'll get there. <laughs> exactly. And who you become along the way. That's the other part you have to remember, yeah. right? Because you learn so much about yourself um, when you try something new. Um, so I wanted to ask you about, I know you are continuously pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, but I wanted to ask you specifically how your entrepreneurial journey has done that. Oh my God. It is like in every way, shape, and form. It's again this whole idea of like, I legitimately, sometimes I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I am so unqualified for whatever this thing is right now. And I like, I legitimately like don't know. And yet I still am like, like, let me walk into the fire pit and just, you know, like figure it out. I think, and it's like this coming back to this conviction around I've done it. I like it's like I've done it before. I've I've been in a quagmire. I've been able to like work my way out of it. And it may not have been pretty, it may have been ugly, it may have been brutal, it may have been all the things, but I figured it out at the end and I got to the other side. And I think that having done that enough times kind of makes me feel like I can start this thing and I'll figure it out. Um I do think that's a bit of a part of what has brought me along my entrepreneurial journey for sure. Is and also just like radiant positivity, mm-hmm. like thinking of total optimist, like, you know, just thinking like thinking about all the, the, the big sort of like rainbows at the yeah. end. Uh, that's what pulls you forward. That's, that's, for sure. that's what, but you know yeah. what? I think like, even in that, um, kind of walking into the fire pit again and again, 
there is a freedom that comes from that because then whenever something comes your way, there's this sense that I know I can get through this. Look at all the things I've gotten through. Look at all the things I've like walked willingly into. <laughs> and I've and I I walked out and maybe it was successful, maybe it wasn't, maybe I made a fool out of myself, doesn't matter. Like the fact right. is here I am and like you've definitely grown from it and there's so much freedom in just being able to say yes to things. Um totally. versus like feeling afraid, right? Like do yeah. you feel afraid ever? My gosh, it's such a good question. Do I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very rarely Mm -hmm. do I exceptionally afraid. Mm -hmm. Like, again, it's not like, and it's maybe it's a, maybe it's a continuum because it's not to say I don't have fear. Like, I do have fear. Um, But I don't think it's anything that that paralyzes me. I think that it maybe it like it's a more like has this whole thing around like does fear motivate you? You know, does it paralyze you? I think there is this thing of the unknown and and I get really excited about the unknown. I'm sort of like, well, I don't know what that is, but I think I want to figure it out or I want to go there. Like I want to sort of you know. And and then I have enough conviction in my in myself, I think, that I think to myself, okay, and if I go there and I I you know, I'm gonna be faced with like all kinds of stuff, I I'll I'm I'll be okay. I'm gonna figure it out. Or and or so many instances, it's been like, I'll find the people who will come along on this ride with me to help me figure it out. Um, and then like my role will be to like, get them really excited about how yeah. we're going to figure this thing out. And it's really like, we're going <laughs> to, it's going to be like something really hard, but I'm going to get you really excited. Yeah. And we're all, gonna- <laughs> well, enthusiasm is extremely powerful, right? It's like, I've, I was reading that like enthusiasm lights up the brain in a way that no other emotion does. So I think that the, that's a real thing is you've, if you can like fuel enthusiasm in somebody, it's, it's really powerful. Oh my gosh. I, these days I'm all about energy. Mm-hmm. Like when I am with people that have like really good mm-hmm. energy, it lit, it just feels so mm-hmm. good. Like I'm like, I feel like, lit up like literally, like literally I just feel so much like goodness mm-hmm. and I feel I feel more myself yeah. actually yeah. like it's like a collective thing on me I'm like oh my god that makes me feel so good when I'm around really good energy and I also feel bad energy yeah. like obviously yeah. and toxic mm-hmm. energy <laughs> I think I'm I think I and then I get really like I'm really trying to like yeah just like I put hone my attention into now, like in this part of my life, I think, where I I really just want to be around good energy. Yeah. Like and and to not waste it on things that are not good. Oh, that's such a good I mean, that's such a good lesson for all of us is to be around people who have good energy and give us that feeling. Um Yes. And then surround yourself more and more with That's it, right? right? Like ask more, ask more of that person's time yeah. or, you know. Um, I like, I like what you said also about bringing people along with you, because I do think that, you know, especially after the pandemic, so many of us were hold in at home and most of our interactions were on Zoom. And I think some of us, you know, if we may have a close circle of friends, but they're not always like-minded. They don't always get us in the way that, you know, maybe we need at this time in our lives. 
I think it's so important to connect with others, right? And bring people along who are even, even if they're not in on it with you, if they understand, if they, um, you know, are seeing life in a similar way, there's, um, there's like community that, that kind of lifts you up and you're not doing it on your own. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I like, I, I, I am a huge, again, I like this thing around energy, but it's also around connection. Like I think I've learned a lot about myself in the past mm-hmm. year. Um, and the things that, um, the things that I value. And I think one of the biggest ones is this idea of like authentic connection mm-hmm. and trying to, and searching for it, yeah. you know, what is that? And, and how do I find mm-hmm. it? Or, and then but if I find it, how do I know, you know, but I just feel like the only thing that I know that I can do, which is, which I'm trying. And, and I, I guess I kind of say to myself, like I do it, but I don't try. And then I'm sort of like trying to understand the repercussions of doing it is just to be myself. Like truly just to be myself and then to understand like, okay, things happen. And then it's like, but why? Mm. Yeah. So do you find yourself not being yourself sometimes? Um, very, Mm -hmm. Which is why it's like, I think it may would make, it would actually like give answers easier to like why things happen or why, you know, I, I think I would, I maybe would have an easier time understanding yeah. them if I wasn't myself. Cause then I could say, I actually wasn't being yeah. myself. So I wasn't being authentic to who yeah. I was. And that's yes. why, yes. you know, but quite myself all mm-hmm. the time. And so that's what makes it really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm literally like, but I'm just being myself. And so, you know, what does that mean? Um, But that's, I mean, that's good though. Then you're, you know, most of the time you're showing up as yourself. I think like women tend to, um, to like put on different masks depending on who's in the room. Right. Yes. And that is not the case. I mean, I I got, sometimes I wish it was. (laughs) It's not. Um, Okay, Jen, I I want you to tell me what's the most powerful lesson that you've learned the hard way. What? Mm. (laughs) Oh my God, Kina. Um, What is the most powerful lesson I've learned the hard Mm -hmm. way? I'm not sure if I've learned this lesson entirely yet. I think I have. I think I have. Is around boundaries it's always around boundaries isn't it so it's like it's like i clearly have to be better at making boundaries and that's like boundaries in every instance of the word like for myself for my time with my kids like in my relationships like in all of it it's just all and then in my work in saying yes to mm-hmm. everything and 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 then not being and like trying to run through walls, you know, like, I think it's just all of those things I've learned. I think I have learned it the hard way, which is like, actually, you cannot functionally be a whole person if you cannot mm-hmm. do that. 
And yeah, I think it has like major repercussions, massive relational ones, like emotional, <laughs> all yeah. of it. If you so tell um, me about how, um, you know, not with upholding boundaries for yourself has affected you. Okay, now what? <laughs> this is like, we are like in yeah. deep here. Um, how has it affected yeah. me? It has. I think uh, we all struggle with boundaries, Jen. That's what I'm saying is we all struggle with boundaries. And so yeah, I want to know how it affects you. I mean, I can tell you that it has affected me in every sense of the word, like, but has broken me is like kind of like how I would describe it physically, mentally, relationally, like yeah. everything, like literally, like I have, I think it's like, it's, it's not that it's not this, it's not to say that I've lost mm -hmm. something because I, but it's like, I have I have seen it broken yeah. and broken and um, it's, yeah, it's a pretty terrible place to be. And it's not to say that you can't like, as again, like I have eternal optimism and faith that I can get through things and thank God. But there are even times when, you know, I have literally been like, I don't know. I don't know how I'll get myself yeah. out of this or yeah. will I, can I? Oh, I think I've been there for sure. And that for a hundred percent has been around being able to put down mm -hmm. boundaries around just being able to mm -hmm. say no, like I can't do this or I, I don't yeah. want to do this or. And being okay with what that so, means. Like it being okay. It, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly playing through it, being like, okay, well, I'll say no. And then, and most times, by the way, like, you know, learning now, when you say no to something and you walk away from it, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. And there's a balance, yeah. obviously. You don't want to say yes. no to everything. People who have like crazy yeah. boundaries, right? Like where you're like, okay, like that, that's just like, yeah. The why? Yeah. There's, <laughs> it's like you're boxing yourself in with your boundaries. It's too many, it's too many boundaries. It's, uh, <laughs> told me once they're like the most successful people like have boundaries right uh but they're like the kind that's like at an amazing place and they're feeling all the energy and they're doing all this stuff and then it turns 11 o'clock and they're like i need to yes. right now bye <laughs> if a boundary i gotta go yeah. <laughs> no they're that's very true that's very true but i do think that yeah most of us are on the side of not having enough boundaries and i think it is important to totally. I think it becomes a badge of honor. Like I can, I have no boundaries. I can do it all. I can like, I'm a machine, right? And then until yeah. we're not anymore, until that machine has broken and doesn't work. And <laughs> um, yeah, and I won't go yeah. with that, with that further with that analogy, but um, yeah. And I think that's when we realize it looks different for everybody, but I need to have boundaries that, make life more enjoyable for me, right? That, that like, and that, like you said, that you feel more whole. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yes. <laughs> okay. So one <laughs> of the things around setting boundaries is really connecting to our inner voice, right? Because we inherently know, we inherently know what we really want. We inherently 
know what we want to say no to, yes to, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, what serves us, what doesn't serve us. We know these things, but it is about connecting to our inner voice. And if we are like kind of on autopilot and are answered to say yes to everything and to do everything and to take it all on, it's sometimes difficult to break that pattern, right? And listening to your inner voice usually means giving yourself space to hear it, right? Because otherwise it's quiet, it whispers. This is what we always talk about. And like, you know, there's the megaphone of your email and social media and everybody around you and your kids and your parents and all of it is coming at you and your inner voice is a quiet whisper. Um, But Mm. our inner voice has so many of the answers, right? And really does know if we give it space. Um, so I wanted to ask you how you listen to your inner voice. Oh, wow. So that's a really, it's very timely because I think that, I like, I think people talk a lot about how they grow and they develop and change over time. Like, you know, and that's true. I thought, and that happens by yourself or when you're in a relationship, right? Like, it's like, I'm, I'm fundamentally like kind of a different person than I was when I met this person. Okay. I get it. But I think inherently at your core, you do have this inner voice that kind of reminds you of what makes you tick, what turns you on, what, like who you are and what brings you happiness, you know? And I think for me, uh, a lot of that is rooted in um, like cultural things, like culture, like meaning music, obviously. Like that's a place that I started with when I was very young. Like I was a cellist for a big part of my life from when I was 10 until I was 26. And being around music, playing music, hearing it, going to concerts. I mean, I, I, I've been doing that since I was mm-hmm. tiny. You know, I think my mother played concerts when I was like four years old. So I think I've lost a part of myself for many, 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 many years where I just put it in a closet and I forgot about it, which is really unbelievably crazy because I would describe music for me as an emotional outlet. Like playing my cello was like an emotional outlet for me. So the fact that I put it in a closet, it's all very, like <laughs> it, the, the symbolism yeah, is yes. real. And so the culture part is like me, for me, minor voice, it, 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 I get sort of like ignited, turned on by, by music, by Mm -hmm. reading, by seeing art, like things that are like either visual or like stimulating, like in some way. And that, that is part of my inner voice. It makes it, it makes it like stronger for me. And I get really I get really start to like, like I feel more myself is how I do. And I think that I've been doing more of that in the past year than I ever have. And, and doing that has reminded me of like who I am and (laughs) it's crazy powerful. I love that answer. It's, it sounds very you, but I also think it's so important to say these things out loud because I think even for you saying it, that like, oh, it's music that allows me to connect to my inner voice and art. And, you know, I think that saying that it will allow you to use those things more intentionally, 
right? Like it's like if you feel yeah. lost or if you feel stuck or if you feel like I'm not sure where to go from here, it's like maybe you go to an art gallery. Like some people might meditate or journal. Like maybe you go to an art gallery and, and have that quiet time with you and art, right? Or yeah. Oh. So I think it's so it's but so it, powerful to know yeah. what it is for us, you know? So true. But you know what's so interesting? I had this, I went on a really cool bike mm-hmm. ride this morning with mm-hmm. friends and we were talking the whole time. And so I was saying like, you know, that metaphor is like, like bike riding's my, yeah. my therapy yeah. or whatever. You know, but at the end of the day, we were laughing because it was, we were saying like, actually doing the work, like really understanding who you are and like going through that, that's yeah. therapy. <laughs> it's like, you can, when I say like music and reading and art, like those yes. are the triggers for right to yeah, do the work. It's the trigger so, to do the work. That's right. Honestly, the work is not attractive in and of itself. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to go straight to the work, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Um, okay, so I want to ask you how you because I know you naturally have a very positive outlook. Um yeah. And like you said, like, you know, you sort of see the world that way. But I wanted to ask you when you're having a downtime or, you know, something happens that's upsetting to you or, um, you know, you're just having one of those days where you're not feeling that way. Yeah. How do you yeah. shift your energy to feeling better? What are some of the things that you do? Oh, Okay, so there's like mm-hmm. practical things. Yeah. Like I was talking yeah. Or for sure one mm-hmm. is movement. Like thighs. Mm-hmm. It's a huge like fitness and being active. And that's always been a mm-hmm. huge part of my life too. And that is a big part of it. It literally is like the thing that I can turn to mm-hmm. that's like right there. Like I put on a pair of running shoes and I can go for a crazy long run or, you know, I just mm-hmm. clear my head or I can, you know, that to me is definitely mm-hmm. one way to like shift my mm-hmm. energy um and then i feel recharged mm-hmm. from it too um i think another is obviously reaching out to the people in my life who i feel exceptionally and can feel exceptionally mm-hmm. vulnerable with you know who i can just be like Bleh, <laughs> you know this this is all the things and they'll totally understand me and, and accept me for all of that so i think that's another mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. And, uh, oof. I mean, no, that's, no. Good. that's good. We don't, <laughs> that's like, that's plenty. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Are probably- yeah, no, I think movement for sure is like, it's like this idea that we, if you feel stuck energetically, that we think that we can somehow get out of it with our thoughts, but actually the best way to get out of it is to physically move our energy. And when we physically move our energy, our thoughts follow, but trying to like, and then like, I, like, you know, I always say to people that you don't have to make it this big thing. Like you don't have to like go for a 10 K run or go to a fitness class. You literally put on music and dance, or you could just like go for a walk. Like you could do anything. The other thing I started doing recently is being really intentional about giving hugs with my, like hugging my children. Um, and and like not just like yeah, a like little going hug, in for but one, a real hug. <laughs> yeah, a real hug, but then like holding the hug for like a long mm-hmm. enough time that you're sort of like breathing yeah. into each other. And I try to do that with my kids a lot now. And and 
and I tell them, I'm like, I, 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 you know, and actually I had told my daughter, I was showing her something about like all the different ways that you can show someone yeah. that you love them by do like little things. There was a list and it included like, can I get you a coffee or can I give you a hug? And so sometimes like, it's so amazing. Like my daughter will come up to me. She'll be like, just randomly. She'll be like, can I get you a coffee? Wow. You know? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, again, it's like that intentionality of really being like, I'm going to, we're going to do this. We're going to do a hug and it's going to yeah. get, it's going to be good. Yeah. 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 That yeah. And not doing too. it in passing or when they like reach out to you, but like really making a, it a moment. Yeah, exactly. Being like, yeah, I need a hug. I'm going to give oh, a I love hug. that. That is so good, Jen. Um, okay. Oh. So we are both in our forties. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Tell me about how you've been experiencing life in your 40s. I know it's been um, – a lot has happened for you in your 40s. A lot has happened for me. It's so true. Uh, so, like, the positives. I've never felt more mm. myself, like, meaning, like, understanding my value mm. until I turned 40. I questioned a lot of it, like, in my 20s, and I had imposter syndrome, and 30s that like when I hit 40 for some reason, I was like, yeah, yep. Like I, I know I feel good in my own skin. I like, I feel like I, I know I'm valuable in so many different ways. And so I feel good. Like, I, I think that was a huge thing. And as I said, like, even when I was little, I had like this amazing amount of confidence, but I think I really mm -hmm. felt like I could own it. Mm -hmm. 40s. I think the, the counter to that is that Maybe you do that. I think I've heard a lot of women say that about themselves in their 40s. And some say mm -hmm. it maybe later in their 50s or whatever. But I think the ugly side to that is that then you really, um, I think this, like you mentioned this thing before around mm -hmm. like autopilot. I think you, a lot of people go through autopilot in their 20s and 30s. And for many reasons, like for me, building a family, mm -hmm. I had four kids, like, you know, you're just like living this life and you're going through all these things and you're just on literally just hardwired and flying away and not really like being intentional mm -hmm. about very much. And then I think my 40s has really been about just like seeing things yeah. for what they are and trying to rewire all the things that I was going on autopilot mm -hmm. around and understanding that like, those things are mm -hmm. fucking ugly. And yet, uh, like, hopefully that I have a, I like, I'm an optimistic person that I can, that I feel like I can do, actually do it, you know, and, and hopefully change the dynamic and the journey mm -hmm. that I've been on in better and more positive ways. So I think, yeah, it's, it's just like this like realization moment, which I may not have really, you know, figured yeah. out in my thirties, for example. Well, I think, you know, I think so many of us fear facing that part of ourselves, but we actually become more powerful when we do face that part of ourselves, right? Like it, it's like, we think that by avoiding it, that we're like, oh, I'll show you, you know, <laughs> to that side of ourselves, right? Like, and, but when we are ready to face it and when we like face it head on and like, 
you know, we do, we heal or we um, get it out of our system in whatever way through healing, then we become even more mm. powerful because yeah. we have faced yeah. those parts of ourselves that, you know, we tucked aside or that we, um, or that we like we're overcompensating for. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have another question for you. Um, okay, oh, I God. want to ask Please. you, and I'm excited for your answer to this question. Oh, I want to ask I you, what does the future look like for Jen? <laughs> Optimistic. The world is your oyster, Jen. That is like, oh, I'm so, I am so, I am so excited for what the future is for Jen. I have so, I really, I've never been more hopeful. Hopeful isn't like, by the way, like, hopeful is also this idea of like, things are going to be fucked up, but I'm going to be able mm -hmm. to get through them kind of thing. Not to say that I'm like, I wish yeah. or I hope. Yes. Like, it's literally like, get there, but I'm hopeful like that I will, that I'll be able to um, continue to find the things that bring me joy, continue to be around people that give me good energy, to be able to do the things that I really love to do, but not have to like fight mm. for them. I want to feel like even more like how I just describe myself when I, you know, in my forties is like to feel more myself than I've ever felt before and to like make it be super make like, it's just yeah. natural, you know, that I'm again, like when I said, like, I'm all, I am my authentic self. Like I really am myself all the time, but I really want to be that. And then like feel that it's valuable, mm -hmm. I guess to the world, to myself, to my kids, to my family. And I'm really, as I say to a lot of people nowadays, I'm like, I'm so trying to over-index on happiness. I am. I'm just like, why be miserable when there's just like, what brings me happiness? And Okay. I love that. Wait, we, have to, we I, have to like spend a minute on that. So over-index on happiness. How do you over-index on happiness? How are you choosing to over-index on happiness in day-to-day -day life now? Um, one is spending a mm -hmm. lot of time alone. I love being by myself. It's just like a strange thing that I never thought was possible, mm -hmm. but I really do. I really, I really just mm -hmm. like being alone sometimes, a lot of times. And so I think that that's like one Amazing. big one. <laughs> um what else in over indexing on happiness is connecting with people that is real i think i have in the past year reconnected to be honest with so many people and in a way that i didn't recognize or realize um i mean it's just crazy. I feel like I feel so loved. And I don't know if I would have known that in some ways, except for, except for how I feel now. Like I just, I'm, I'm sort of shocked by it. And I, and, um, 
And then I feel synthetic saying like over indexing and happiness. Like I just want to, I really want to make sure that I cultivate and like nurture those relationships because I feel like in some ways, I don't know, I've like talked a lot about this with some of my friends. I'm like, I feel like I haven't given enough, you know, to deserve the amount of love that I've been given back which is strange, I guess, but I just, it's, I love, um, I love that you say that because, but I do think that, you know, love isn't earned. Right. So, and, and love is in abundance. Like you always believe in abundance. Love is in abundance and it's, and it's so, it feels so good to give it. Right. So, and, and I think that for the people who are showing you love, you've shown them love. So there's nothing for you to feel like the balance is off. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, no, I get that 100%. I guess I was just more like, is this anything mm-hmm. around intentionality, right? Like I was talking about like before with like yeah. the hugs with my kids or just, but just being like so intentional about what you're doing or what you're saying or how you're doing it or being like clear, you know, I think that, I think they're really mm-hmm. underestimated. And when you can mm-hmm. articulate it, it's yeah. very powerful. So I, I so appreciate it. And that's, I can that's why Aww. I so appreciate you. You, oh my gosh. This is like a love fest for Kena right now. Well, I love you too. Just you like know the life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh. I can't believe that this is coming to an end, but it is perfect timing. And I, we will have you back again because there's lots more to talk about. So we'll have you back again. Oh but God. I wanted to ask you the question that I am going to be asking every guest on the podcast, which is, what okay. do you think it means to be all you are? <laughs> what does it mean to be all you are? Ooh, Okay. I think it means that you can, it's like you can face, like you can face mm-hmm. the good with the bad. Like meaning, like I came out thinking like, I am this like eternal optimist, you know, I like to see everything like glass mm-hmm. half full all the time. But I think that, and what I've learned, one is you can't ignore the other part of it, which I think a lot of maybe optimists like myself tend to do, which is like, I'm just going to ignore like the shady, shitty parts because I don't, you know, yeah. that's like something I don't want to face. And I'll just you know, like stay on the positive. But I think like if you really are going to be like all you are, like a whole person, then you're going to have to face yeah. the ugly stuff or yeah. at least acknowledge it in a way that you can address it um and not run away from it i think that's a huge part of it and that goes back to like this whole thing around like doing the work i think someone the same in the same bike ride that i had this morning it was mentioned like only something like something crazy. I don't know how there it's quantified. It's like only 1% of people mm, in the world do the work. Wow. <laughs> Is that a real number? I don't, I, I'm like, it doesn't matter because of whatever it's it is, that percentage yeah. is probably <laughs> yeah. really low. And, and I feel like maybe 
I don't know if you have to have gone through something to be able to turn around and then face it and say, I need to do the work, which is mm-hmm. kind of like what happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. Like in a real way, which I will be grateful mm-hmm. for forever. Um, but, or maybe you do need to go through something that makes you say that, but I wish in so many ways that people could do it yeah. without that. Because I do think, like, as I mentioned before, you know, boundaries have broken me. I've been completely broken, right? And, um, and I think that maybe you'll have more, like, resiliency if you have done that hard work along the way just to really yeah. understand who you are. Again, like, to really get out of the autopilot mode, you could be a young parent or you could be a workaholic or you know all those things and 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 you can continue that way for a very 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 long time and it just feels comfortable right until maybe something happens then you like stick your head up and you're like oh my god wait what but i think that everyone should be thinking about the rewiring part how do i rewire some of the things that i am going on and, yeah. and questioning it too why am i like that or why do i do that or why does it feel natural? Should it feel natural? Maybe it does and that's okay, but, or does it not? And those are the types of things maybe that I feel like make you all you want. I love that answer. And, you know, I think that there is something true about when you face those shady parts, like the hard shady parts that, you know, you might want to ignore as somebody who sees the glass as half full those are the parts that actually show you who you are, right? Like you've only, you only know a part of you by only living in glass half full mode. But when you actually face those parts that are hard to look at and are inconvenient and I don't want to like go over there, that's when you really get to understand who you are. And, and like, and I think that the, that being an optimist is still, so valuable because you can assign meaning to all the things that you've been through, right? Like you can decide what something hard, like having your boundaries broken and and you can decide what that means for your life versus it feeling like a victim in all of it, right? So so regardless, having a glass half full view on the world is amazing, but it's really through facing the hard stuff that we do get to understand who we are. Oh my gosh, yeah. Someone's always said to someone said to me, and I like life is not for beginners. And that is very true. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found inspiration and use this podcast to start stepping into all you are. To hear more about the podcast, follow me over on Instagram at Kana underscore all you are. Send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're loving the podcast, I'd be so honored if you go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Until next time, remember to keep exploring what it means to be all you are.